few weeks ago, Derek Halpern, who's made millions of dollars selling online courses, announced that he was quitting information marketing. He said he was burnout. He'd lost track of why he was in the business in the first place. His information marketing business didn't light him up. He announced a sort of digital fire sale of all his courses one final time and then took them off the market. You're listening to What Works, a podcast about what's really working in small business today as told by small business owners themselves. Our goal is to transcend best practices and flashy marketing messages to give you the inside scoop on how small businesses are really run. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Now, I can relate to Derek. Two years ago, I was burnt out on advice culture and information marketing too. I felt pressured to be constantly turning my personal experience into something useful for thousands of people. And it just wasn't. I didn't have all the right answers for everyone who was following along. I didn't have brilliant life lessons to share every day. I wasn't an expert on all the things people wanted me to be. I believe that information marketing, advice culture, and the expert brand ecosystem is growing through a reckoning. Not only are people like Derek and I burn out on it, consumers are overwhelmed by it. Consumers are becoming more interested in trusting themselves instead of some stranger they found on the internet. Now, I'll share more about the trend circumventing information marketing in just a minute, but first, a word from our WhatWorks partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses that bring people together. When I started my small business, the people I brought together had to jump from platform to platform to interact, learn, and connect. We had one app for online courses, another for events, another for our content, and still another to talk together as a community. None of those apps talked to each other, and most were a disaster on a phone or tablet. And on top of that, I had to pay for each one separately. Then we found Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks let us bring our website, content, courses, community, and events together all in one place. Plus, it made it easy to centralize fees and accept payments. Plus, Mighty Networks makes everything we create easy to access on mobile with our own app. Make 2019 the year you streamline the way you do business and build real relationships at the same time. Get started with Mighty Networks free of charge by visiting MightyNetworks.com. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. What Works is also brought to you by Gusto. Thinking about some big changes this year? Maybe you're ready to put yourself on payroll, streamline the way you pay contractors, or hire your first or next employee. Now's the time to set yourself up for success, and Gusto makes it easy. Whether it's filing and paying taxes, managing time off, offering benefits, or cutting through the red tape, Gusto has your back. Now's the time to make your move. What Works listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash what works. That's gusto.com slash what works. Now, maybe all of this sounds like a pretty bleak prediction for the future of information marketing. After all, already two of the trends I've highlighted for 2019, focusing on real relationships and reapproaching high-touch services, are in direct opposition to the way information marketing has been executed for years. But I don't think that's the case. Information marketing is not dying. 
But instead, there are a growing list of options for business owners who want to run lean and mean, make a great profit, and prioritize flexibility. But they look a lot like small business before the information marketing craze. The option I took was to create value by making it easier for small business owners to talk with each other, by facilitating those conversations, and by creating tools for shared experiences. The option Derek took was to harness his marketing prowess into a wellness company with a mission that lights him up. But a big trend I've been seeing bubble up is creating physical products, tools for self-exploration and learning. And I believe 2019 is the year we'll see this hit the big time. Now, those tools for learning and self-exploration aren't always literal tools. Sometimes they're the perfect pieces for a capsule wardrobe like Jay Adams and Katie Doyle created with brass clothing. Other times they're the perfect greeting card or gift when nothing conventional would fit like Emily McDowell created with Emily McDowell Studio. Or they could be sports bras designed specifically for women who enjoy an active outdoor lifestyle like a RET basewear. You can find all of those interviews in our archives, but my choice for today's interview is a little more literal. Tanya Dalton started Inkwell Press to equip creative people with the tools they need to become more productive and achieve their goals. She combines physical products with learning resources to create a fully immersive experience that's designed to enhance results. In this conversation, we talk about how services and information are translated into physical goods, as well as how her brand has evolved as her product line evolved. We also chat about how she uses content marketing, her podcast called Productivity Paradox, to spread the word about her products. Now, let's find out what works for Tanya Dalton. Tanya Dalton, welcome to Profit Power Pursuit. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I want to start off by talking about product development because I love product development and I firmly believe that products are really just physical manifestations of services. And I think this is often where a lot of creative small business owners tend to go wrong. They don't they don't realize that products are really just tools that help us or help people do what we want to do. And that really seems to be your approach with Inkwell Press to help people become more productive, to give them that service through the products that you create. Why did you decide to create a product-based business instead of an information or consulting-based business? Well, that's a really good question because I, I completely agree that I think products are a physical manifestation of services. And to be honest with you, I believe that the greatest compliment we receive is when people tell us that we're actually a service-based company that just (laughs) happens to have a fabulous product. To me, that is the greatest thing I can hear. Um, And that makes me absolutely so happy. So right from the beginning, I knew education was going to be a big part of what I wanted to offer. Um, I'm a former school teacher. So helping others is really a big part of who I am. And that fulfills me and It makes my heart feel whole. Um, But it was really important for me, for those people that I was helping, to to have the tools to actually implement the strategies that I shared or that I talked about. So when I created the products themselves, I really wanted to make sure and include things like setup videos to go along with them. I knew how much of a difference it made for me having a physical planner. And when I was coaching other small business owners, I was finding that that was one of the things they were really struggling with, feeling organized and feeling productive, and they didn't know what tools to use. So I wanted to provide tools for them so they could really start moving the needle forward and feeling more productive immediately. So when I gave them the strategies and we talked about 
you know, tips and ideas on how they could be more productive, they already had the tools sitting in front of them. So they almost had no excuse, right? That way Mm -hmm. they were able to just out of the box, start feeling more productive right away. Uh, I love it. And I, yeah, I just, I really love the way you're talking about creating a tool for people. And I think this is such a huge opportunity for digital small business owners, especially where, you know, a, a lot of people are looking to move beyond information, looking to move beyond coaching and consulting and creating a tool that helps the customers that you already have, that helps people do what you're already helping them do is just such a, a logical next step, a huge opportunity for businesses today to step into a whole new realm. And I think often step into a realm where uh, it's a little bit more sustainable. Do you feel like your business is more Mm -hmm. sustainable now that you have a physical product? Absolutely. And it's funny because right now I'm just nodding my head with everything you're (laughs) saying. So I know you can't see me, but I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And that's exactly how I feel Um, because I do think this is a great opportunity for digital marketers to really feel like they can expand upon their product lines and they can uh, bring more to market. Uh, To me, it does help us be more sustainable because one of the things that I think is really difficult is if you are the person who's putting forth your message all of the time. You're the one who has to do that. No one else can do it for you. So having a product allows you to um, be able to reach people without you physically being in front of them or me standing you know, in front of a camera telling them exactly what to do. I'm still able to generate revenue. I'm able to put forth my mission of helping people um, without me having to do every single bit of it. Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. And I, I, so, you know, you said I'm the only one who can send my, or to get my message out there when it's just me. But Mm -hmm. it sounds like not only is the planner then a tool uh, to help people become more productive, to feel more productive, but it also is a tool for you to use to get in front of new people who wouldn't have otherwise ever, ever seen your brand simply because people are carrying around their Inkwell Press planner. And I'm seeing this right now in my own business where we haven't created a physical product, but I have created a physical manifestation of our membership community, uh, co-commercial, and we're sending out t-shirts to, you know, to all of our members. And so it's so great to see them pop up on social media, you know, wearing their t-shirt loud and proud where it's, uh, you know, it is that other way. It's that way that they have then to tell people about what they're excited about, to tell people about what's changing in their life or changing in their business. Is that what you meant by that, that that this was a tool that other people could use as well? Yes, absolutely. Because I feel like a lot of our business is from referrals and people seeing the products. So when people go into their offices and they are carrying an Inkwell Press planner, other people are asking them about it. So not only are they talking about my planner, but they also talk about the systems that we walk them through and how they're being more productive with it. And so that helps to spread my message without me having to do that myself. Um, It acts almost like a brand ambassador, right? Um, And our planners are even in stores like Office Depot and Office Max. So that opens up a whole new channel of people that I maybe would not have been able to reach because I do have a physical product sitting there that catches their eye and they want to pick it up. They open it up and they see what's inside and then they're more interested in the services that I offer as well. That is just fascinating to me, the, this whole angle here, because, you know, we think about digital products or digital services as being this almost infinitely scalable or, you know, we uh, having mm-hmm. this 
immense distribution to them just simply because they are digital and we can, you know, put them on every corner of the web if we want to. <laughs> right. But I think as my uh, as my business has matured, as my uh, market has become more sophisticated, and it sounds like you're experiencing the exact same thing, what, we've, what we're realizing is that digital doesn't actually go as far as something that bridges the gap between our analog, everyday, out in the world kind of life and the things that we use on a digital in 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 the digital world. Yes, I would I would definitely agree with that. It does open up those things a lot more for us. Um, and it like I said, it just allows us to be seen in ways that we might not have been able to see to be to be seen. So I think that that's really the beauty of having a physical product. Like you said, with your t-shirts, you're seeing those pop up. You know, I've, I've seen several people in my own personal Instagram feed wearing your shirts. And I'm like, Oh, let me learn more about that. So it really <laughs> we'll does <laughs> work. <laughs> I'd love that because I, I love what they say. And I, I believe in that message that you're talking about. Um, so I, I do think that is a great way to get your message spread because a lot of people who are offering these digital products, it's really more about the service and the the message that you're trying to promote. And it's a whole nother avenue for you to be able to reach people and to be able to reach these corners of, you know, the marketing world that you may not have been able to reach otherwise. Yeah. All right. So you have got a lot of people's gears turning right now. I think I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I'm pretty excited to hear about it then. But um, let's okay. So let's rewind the clock a little bit. You know, when you go on inkwellpress.com, you see a whole bunch of different products for sale, different kinds of planners and you know, planner adjacent products. <laughs> and yes. So I'm curious what the first, the very, very first product was that you brought to market. Uh, and can you walk us through sort of the process from idea to launch? Yes, definitely. So my first product that I offered is actually what I consider my cornerstone product. Um, And that's the product that I really revolve a lot of my things that I offer around. And that's my Live Well Planner, which is our weekly planner. And I really wanted to start with the Live Well Planner because I wanted a product that I felt anyone could use. And most people find that they don't really have the need for a full daily planner. A weekly is a great place for most people to start. So with all my products, I start with a brainstorm where I think about all of the elements I want to include, and then I do a thorough questioning process of researching what's out there. So basically like market research, right? To make sure I have a unique idea and I want to find out what others want to see. So when I'm do when I was doing my first planner, of course, I had no no customers to pull from. So what I did was I kind of roughed out, uh, you know, and, and figured out what it was I wanted to offer. And then I started asking people. I asked friends. I asked friends of friends. I asked strangers. I asked anybody who had a spare moment what they thought of the process that I wanted to uh, to put forth, this strategy for productivity, and what I wanted to put in the planner. So it was really helpful to see what ideas resonated with other people and which ones didn't. Because I think that's one of the things you really have to keep in mind is not all your ideas are going to really resonate with other people. So this is an important part of the process, I think. I completely agree. Yeah, because you think, oh, this is the most amazing idea. And then other people hear it and they're like, yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) And it really helps at that point to know that right away. So you don't go through the, you know, the process of spending a bunch of time and money and energy on something that's maybe not really going to resonate with your ideal client. So, um, So I do that. And then I do a rough sketch on paper. 
And basically, this is mainly rectangles, circles, squares, really, really rough draft of designating where I want different elements to go. So just kind of designing it out. And then for our first planner, this is where the really, really hard part came in, which was taking my ideas and putting them into fruition. So when I decided I wanted to offer a planner <laughs> product, I had zero graphic design experience. I had no training. I had never used the programs before. All of the graphic design I had done was in pages, which is basically like a Word doc, right? <laughs> so it was a little bit of a crazy time. I knew this is what I really wanted to do. Um, I had figured out that this was really important to me. And so I knew I would just have to figure out a way to make this work. So what I did is my husband and I sat down and we watched Linda. Are you familiar with Linda, the oh, tutorials? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we watched Linda tutorials, which are not the most exciting <laughs> tutorials in the world. They're amazing, but you have to really struggle at times <laughs> to stay awake. But I basically committed to really sitting down and learning how I was going to use these programs, learning how to use InDesign and Illustrator and um, being able to take these ideas from my rough draft and put them into the computer. So I watched Linda programs and I Googled a lot, a lot, a lot. I Googled, I Googled, I Googled. And it took me, I guarantee, three times longer than it should have. But we did it. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee if a graphic designer was sitting next to me while we were working on this planner, they would have been appalled at the way that we implemented some of our things. So um, it really took us about three months to design our first planner because it took us such a long time to figure out just how to use the programs. But we got it out. Um, and then, then we went into production. So we had to find a printer that could accommodate all of the specifications we wanted to include. So like our planner is not just paper and then a cover. We have double-sided pocket folders. We have a snap-in ruler. There's all kinds of elements to it. So I really had to figure out who is a printer that could actually do all of these things, which is a much more difficult process than you would think because it's not as easy as just running to Kinko's, right, to get a bunch of planners made. You have to find someone who can do these larger print runs, do them to the quality that you expect, um, and to be honest with you, I thought that once we got those files to the printer, that was it. Smooth sailing, it was done. But there were still multiple rounds of samples to go through. So I did not actually accommodate my schedule for that. I did not, I did not know that. Um, so really, we had to go through with the printer, getting samples, tweaking samples, and, and working that out and figuring out before we even went to the final print run. So, yeah, and that's one of the things I think that people don't take into account is when you're creating your timeline, you have to you have to account for the things that you don't really know when you go into it, right? Because I thought files go to the printer, printer prints them, I have my planners. But it's, it's not that easy. It really took us another three months just going back and forth with samples, tweaking the materials, trying to figure out how it was really going to look and all of those things because you want to make sure that you – allow ample time to go through sampling because once you press print or once you press you know the manufacture button that that's it you know there's no going back and saying oh I don't really like this paper or oh I'm not really sure about this binding you have to do all of that at that point um, so then for us after we got through the samples uh, and kind of during that time we started working on building up a customer list 
So we started with absolutely no customers. We had zero people on our email list, but we knew that once the planners arrived, we wanted to be able to sell them. It's not enough to have a beautiful product. If no one knows about it, that's not gonna matter, right? So you, you had to start, we had to start building up a customer list and getting people really worked up and excited about this planner coming out. So uh, we began the process of getting our name out there. We used lead magnets to grow our email list. We created ads on Facebook. And we really started working on getting the buzz going. So what we did was we kept people excited about the launch by giving them updates. We gave them new images every so often. So by the time launch day came, there was a lot of excitement and buildup. So as I said, we had zero people on our email list when we got started. And on our launch day, we had 500 orders. Wow. So that was kind of crazy. Yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> it was really kind of kind of nuts. Um, yeah, I mean, we really just put a lot of time and energy, not just into creating the product itself, but actually creating the buzz and the excitement around it. Um, as I said, it, it's, it's not enough to have a beautiful product. You need to be able to let people know about it because otherwise it's just going to sit on your shelf gathering dust. So uh, yeah, 500 orders on launch day. And then we were like, okay, I, I think we're going to be okay here. I think this is going to work. Um, so what's interesting is today, to be honest with you, we still go through that same process for our launches and through our product development. Obviously now it is much more efficient than that first time and we know what to expect with our timelines. Um, but you know, there are still bumps in the road. So you do still need to make sure that you're accommodating or accounting for time. Because, you know, a great example of this is, you know, we just received some samples of a product that was supposed to be in its final development stage, and I wasn't happy with them. So again, I'm not going to press print on something until I'm absolutely happy with what I'm doing. So we're going back to the drawing board, reworking them a little bit. And so our timeline is bumped back, but luckily I've added a little bit of buffers and some cushioning to my timeline to accommodate that because, um, because of those lessons I've learned. That's the best way to learn, right? Through those hard lessons of, of doing it once and then, then you know what to do the, the next time. Absolutely. Okay, so I have a whole bunch of follow-up questions from <laughs> okay. that because that was incredible. And thank you so much for literally walking us step-by-step -step through because, wow, Anyhow, I'm very excited. So first <laughs> well, question, did you, did you have any mentors or kind of partnerships along the product development path so that you had some guidance of finding manufacturers or were you really kind of going at it on your own, uh, you and your husband figuring things out? We, we did it on our own. We wanted to start off, um, to be honest with you, just to kind of back up slightly and um, let you know, my husband and I own Inkwell Press together. We owned a business prior to this, and we made the decision to close that business up because we wanted to follow what we were really passionate about, which was Inkwell Press. So to be totally honest with you, we did not have the money to, to you know team up with somebody or do anything like that. We weren't sure whether we were going to be eating by the end of the year because we just scrimped and saved to make sure that we could press print when it was finally time. Um, so we did a lot of that groundwork on our own, just a lot of sweat equity basically in our business, researching, researching, and researching, calling people, asking questions, um, asking people for favors, asking people for recommendations, all kinds of things like that just to figure out where to go. Um, now with our business, we do have some partnerships that helps us. Um, but at the time when we were first starting out, it's possible to do it on your own. You just have to be willing to put in the work. 
Yeah. Well, I love, you know, even just saying we picked up the phone and asked a lot of questions. Like, Uh I think that is actually a step that a lot of people skip (laughs) over. For me, I hate the phone. So I was not a pick up the phone and ask questions person, but I was the kind of person who would hop on a live chat uh, because and I was on the more techie side of things, too, when I was first getting started. And, you know, I'll I'll chat with some support guy at HostGator or Bluehost or whatever and find out what I need to know to do the thing that I want to do that, you know, that's that's their job is to answer questions for you. And I think we forget about that when we're dealing with vendors. We we feel like we have to come at it with all the knowledge that we need or we're going to be screwed. And that's not the way it is at all. They are there to answer your questions for you. If they don't want to answer your questions, they don't want your money. Yeah, I agree. I, I firmly believe one of the secrets to being successful is asking questions and not being afraid to ask questions. The worst thing anyone can say to you is no. And, and that's it, you know, or to not give you the, the answer you want and then go somewhere else and ask more questions. Um, like you said, a lot of those vendors, that's what they're there for. I am on chat all of the time with my e-commerce platform. <laughs> can I do this? Can I do that? Sometimes they're like, yes. Sometimes they're saying no. And I'm like, well, how can I work around this? <laughs> so it is like that's that's what you have to do to create something for yourself the way that you want it to be. Ask questions. Yes, they are in the business of trying to help you figure out how to do what you want to do. That's Mm -hmm. part of their job. Um, Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay, so you also brought up scrimping and saving just to be able to hit the the you know, the manufacturer button when that time came. Um, So I'm assuming this was all self-funded then as well. Yes, it was. So um, like I said, my husband and I had a business and it was doing quite well. We just were not feeling fulfilled by it. We did not feel like it really fit our purpose for what we wanted to do. It, it paid our bills. It allowed our children to eat three meals a day. However, it did not make me happy. When I went to bed at night, I wasn't feeling like I was content with what I was doing. So we had to make that decision, which was a difficult decision to make, uh, that we were gonna close up shop. So we we planned ahead and we saved up money, but we allotted so that we could plan to be without any sort of income whatsoever. My husband and I own the businesses together, so that is our sole source of income. Uh, we allotted ourselves seven months to try to you know work without having any income coming in. So we did it all self-funded. Um, you know, we, w- we w- were down to a we were down to a one-car family for a while. We um, we didn't do a lot of extras with our kids. We ate at home a lot. There's all different kinds of ways that you can kind of scrimp and save when you really believe in what you're doing and you're chasing your passion. You know what? Skipping eating a meal out or not going to movies at the movie theater isn't really all that all all, all that exciting when you really you're thinking about what you can build with your business. So um, I'm also curious about uh, how you budgeted out that money that you had left too, because it sounds like you did know that there was going to be a certain amount of cost for printing and manufacturing, obviously. But it also sounds like you were thinking ahead to the advertising stage. And I know you had a really successful advertising campaign. Obviously, you did, you know, getting 500 customers on (laughs) day one for a brand new product is incredible. Um, So was that part of the plan from the get go? Did you say, okay, I'm going to allot this much money for manufacturing, this much money for advertising. And that means, guys, we got to figure out the rest ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yes, basically. Um, I'm really big on 
living on a budget. Um, I don't like to carry a lot of debt. That's always been really important to me ever since, you know, I became an adult, basically. Uh, if I can consider myself an adult even now, um, you know, budgeting has always been really important to me and not going into debt for these things. Uh, so what we did is we sat down and we created a plan. We knew that we wanted to pour a good amount of money into marketing because it is so important to have customers, right? Um, I think people tend to undervalue that. That's one of the places where um, marketing is one of those line items that people are like, oh, I don't really have the money for that. I'm not going to spend spend the money there. Or I could do it myself. It's okay to bring other people in or to ask for help. Um, a perfect example of that, to, and to be honest with you, one of my secret weapons is my husband. Um, we work together and we work really well together, but he has his MBA and he has uh, a specialization in marketing. So he has worked for um, Fortune 500 companies, traveling the world, doing marketing work. So that is a little bit of a secret weapon we have. But that said, he did not know anything about advertising on Facebook. He had no experience doing that whatsoever because everything he has ever done was on a corporate level, uh, which was dealt with in a very different way. So we spent money taking a class on how to run Facebook ads because we had never done that before. So we, we allotted money to, for that, for education, so we could learn how to do it and then to actually implement it. And here's what's really interesting is that uh, we started running those ads and that was in 2014. We launched our company in November of that year and we were named in December by Jeff Bullis as one of the top 10 Facebook ad campaigns for the year. That is absolutely incredible. I mean, but that's the thing. It's like we went in there at the beginning of, of 2014. We didn't know what we were doing at all with Facebook ads. And again, it's all about asking those questions and being okay with asking questions and admitting that you don't know how to do things. I think that's the, the big part of it because my husband could have said, oh, I'm, I'm a marketing executive. I, I, I can figure this out. And instead, he was like, I really don't know what I'm doing. I'd really rather we spend some money on education. And obviously, that totally paid off. Yes. I love it. I love it. Okay. So that was how you built your first product. Mm -hmm. How did you decide to develop the next product? That's a good question because I think like most creatives, I have about 5,000 <laughs> ideas, right? And every yeah. single one of those ideas has about 75 variations on it. So one of my husband's jobs is just to say the word narrow to me. He's like, narrow, narrow it in, <laughs> like bring it in. We don't need that many ideas. So uh, one of the things I started doing is uh, I created a spreadsheet of my ideas. And that way, as new ideas pop in, I start to have a bank of ideas. And sometimes writing it down is really all I need. It's a little cathartic, right? Like, oh, I got that idea on paper. And other times those ideas just keep growing inside my head to where I cannot ignore them anymore. Um, but I really knew I wanted to have focus in my approach. So I have a process that I call my mission test that I use for all of my products. Uh, because my business is very focused on my personal mission, I make sure that everything that I offer Everything that I create fulfills that mission. So um, sometimes I have these crazy fun ideas, but if they don't pass my mission test, I don't move forward on them for Inkwell Press. Maybe I do something for myself. Maybe I find other ways to do it, but it's not part of my business. And I think that takes a lot of willpower sometimes, but I know I want my business to move forward towards my main goals, and I need to create some direction. 
and keeping aligned with my mission really does that for me. So that's that's really what I do when I'm trying to figure out what else I want to create. Um, I think that Steve Jobs is a great example of this, and that's who I look at when I'm thinking about what I want to create because Steve Jobs was the master of constraints. He was a, a man who offered one product for the first three years, right? When he started Apple, he had one product, and he very easily could have started expanding upon that, but he didn't. He started with that one product, and three years later, he finally felt, okay, now I can add you know, additional products in. Um, and I, th I think about that a lot. It's not about having every idea turned into a product. It's really about figuring out what does my mission mean and what, what products are going to help put forth these ideas and spread that message I want to spread the best way possible. So that, that's really how I decide what I'm going to create or what I'm going to offer. I love that. I'm so glad you brought up using a mission to guide uh, to guide your decision making on that. I think mm -hmm. that's so important, which really kind of brings me to my next question, which is how is your brand or your p positioning, or maybe another way to say it is your mission, evolved as you've created new products and just sort of as the business has matured? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think... Obviously, you're always growing and evolving as things happen, as, as growth happens, uh, you're always changing. But what I love is that at its heart, my business really has stayed true to the mission I put forth initially. And I think it's because I am so vigilant about what I offer. Uh, but it has definitely evolved. We never expected our growth to be so fast. Obviously, those 500 orders on launch day were a, an amazing surprise, a happy surprise, but amazing. Um, and our biggest transition is not just, you know, about using the planner to get yourself organized. It's really become a more holistic approach to productivity. In thinking about my main focus, it's kind of shifted a little bit to really highlight productivity over organization. Um, and I've set my main focus on productivity because you can be really, really, really organized, but very unproductive. And sometimes you'll even see people who are using organization as a way to procrastinate, over color coordinating things or, you know, over, over structuring things. But if you're really focused on productivity, organization naturally follows. So to me, when I first started, I was really talking about organization, and I've come to that realization productivity is where I really need to focus because organization will, will follow on its own. And being organized and fulfilled is truly the goal. My, my hope is, and when I'm, when I'm working on these things, my hope is that when my customer's head hits their pillow at the end of the day, they leave that day feeling satisfied, confident, and happy. And that's my ultimate litmus test. That is my, my end goal. And that has not changed. It's just the way that I am approaching it has changed a little bit. I love it. Um, all right. So this this focus on productivity uh, really then, again, leads me to my next question. So you're doing a fantastic job of, <laughs> of making the segues very easy for me. Good. <laughs> but, um, you know, I know a lot of product-based companies have a difficult time creating the content that gets people interested, gets them buying. Clearly, that's not a problem for you. Um, <laughs> but for Inkwell Press, you've actually gone and created a podcast that uh, kind of helps you fulfill this mission and this... this uh, theme of productivity. In fact, it's called the productivity paradox. Um, why start a podcast and, and what results have you seen directly from that podcast? 
Well, that's a good question. And the podcast is is newer to uh, what we started offering. Um, but I'd, I'd always included a series of setup videos that came with our planners. So when somebody purchased one of our planners, I had this series, and I still do, of these six videos that walk them through not just how to use their planner, but finding their best life, figuring out what your priorities are, and all of those um, foundational things. And I was also very active on Periscope, back when Periscope was a thing, offering all kinds of free trainings and productivity strategies. So I think the podcast has been a natural evolution for me, essentially. Um, As I said, I'm a former teacher, so I absolutely love that light bulb moment you see when you're working with other people, when everything starts clicking into place. So while I don't really get to physically see that, I hear about it from our customers. We get so many just fabulous, amazing emails each week from our customers sharing with us how they've implemented our strategies or how they're feeling at peace with their days uh, thanks to productivity strategies. So doing that really helps me feel even more connected to my customers, which you know obviously parlays into me understanding what products they're going to want and moving forward and, and knowing who my customers are. And really hearing their stories makes that impact feel even more real to me. So I wanted to build upon that and create a way for me to potentially reach more people and to increase my impact. So what's great about with a podcast is I'm not limited to who can join live. You know, with Facebook Live or Periscope, it was like, okay, who can show up right now and and I can talk to them. But then it's really hard for people to go in afterwards and listen. But with a podcast, people can go back and hear all the episodes. So when I designed my podcast, I made it so that the episodes were bite-sized because if I'm talking to you about productivity, I need to be productive with your time, right? So they're timed for about 20 minutes so people can pop them into their day where it works for them. But each season is really, really mindfully designed, and each one is designed so it's going to have a theme. So it feels almost like a mini course. So season one is all about laying a foundation for yourself, finding your purpose, finding your passion, the framework for successful goal setting, things like that. Uh, Season two is going to be all about streamlining. So the episodes build off each other, and we include downloads, exercises, strategies, so that they can really start implementing these ideas into creating their own customized productivity system. So we've already started to hear fabulous things from our listeners, and I'm really excited about how this is going to continue to grow our business because I do feel like it's helping me reach a whole nother level of people, a whole nother market of people that I was not able to reach previously. So it's going to really help us to continue to help our customers feel empowered with their productivity. And that to me is really what it's all about. So this whole podcast has been such a big change for us that uh, has been so rewarding, I think, for me, uh, because as I said, I like to be thought of as a service-based business, even though I have products. And this is part of my service that I offer. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like the perfect balance between education and sales or having that uh, that kind of confluence of education and sales that content marketing really allows us to do. So thanks for providing that kind of uh, kind of being a role model for those product-based businesses out there that feel a little confused around content marketing. So last question, what's coming up next for you guys at Inkwell Press? 
That's a great question. There's always big things coming around the corner, it feels like. As I said, I'm a creative, so I'm always thinking about different things. Uh, We are toying with the idea of offering some online courses, um, maybe even some in-person workshops, because I've I've done some workshops where I'm not the host, but uh, I love that connection I feel when I'm in the room with people. And again, to me, as a teacher, it's all about that light bulb moment when they really light up and you see them getting it. so we're talking about doing some courses, uh, like I said, some in-person workshops. We um, we have planners coming out for the academic year. We have all new th- products coming out this fall that I'm really excited about, especially one that has been uh, requested a lot from us. So um, some big things coming down, down the pipes this fall. So lots of things ahead. Oh, well, fantastic. Tanya Dalton, thank you so much for taking us through your journey, really breaking it down step by step. I so appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy talking about it and sharing it with others. So uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Find out more about Tanya Dalton and Inkwell Press at inkwellpress.com. Plus, you can find her podcast, Productivity Paradox, wherever you listen to What Works. This interview was originally produced by Michael Karsh, engineered by Chris Stowe, and edited by Daniel Peterson. This episode was produced and edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Catch up with the five trends shaping small business in 2019, plus over 150 interviews with small business owners at whatworkspodcast.com. 